Today on High Point with Ron Zappia. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Why? Because you were called out. But you are what? You are fellow citizens with the saints. And there it is, members of the household of God. There it is. So the church is what? The church is a household. The church is a family. Point with Ron Zappia, pastor of High Point Church, a multi-site church in the western suburbs of Chicago. I'm Steve Smith, and we're continuing our series called Doctrine, Know What You Believe. All right, so Ron, today we're getting into part two of a message on something that's really close to your heart, the church. Yes, Steve, the church is extremely close to my heart, and you know, it hasn't always been like that. It's been a growing situation for me that, you know, when I first started going to church, I mean, I didn't even like church, and now I have the incredible responsibility of leading a local body. It's just, it's amazing how God works. And so maybe you've had questions about the church. Um, You know, maybe there's been times when you have, you know, been a a cynic or skeptical about the church, um, you know, didn't want to get involved in the church. Maybe you're a person who, man, you are just giving it all for the church. Well, wherever you fit on that spectrum, there's always questions that we need to answer. And so I've got the top five questions people typically ask about the church. And so whether we're doing this, whether you're wondering about the answers to those questions or you're trying to help others understand the answers to those questions, this is a message for you. Well, we want to jump right into this message called The Doctrine of the Church. Let's prepare our hearts and listen in. Here's Pastor Ron. Top five questions that everyone needs to answer about the church. If you say and verbalize that you're a Christian, got to answer these five questions on the church. Are you ready? First thing is this. Open up your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want to talk about the church. First question is this. Every believer needs to be able to answer. What is the church? Look with me at 1 Corinthians 12, and the first analogy he gives is this. It's a body. Verse 12. For just as the body is one, so that's what the church is, it's a body, and has what? What what does it have? The body has many members or many parts. He goes on to say, and all these members of the body, many, are one body, so it is with Christ. I don't care what kind of background you come from. I don't care what kind of color your skin is. I don't care what your race is. I don't care of all those other things. It's like we're one in Christ, amen? Amen. He brings together people with different backgrounds. He brings together people who have different experiences. Like That's what I love about the church, the diversity of the church. We're all intertwined together that we're to get to work together as one think about your body for a moment man this this your body is the most amazing thing and how the foot works together with the leg and how the leg works together with the body and the arms and everything else and just if we were to talk about the human eye i mean so the church is like a body what's the word i want to give you it's interdependent and i love this picture And he goes on to say, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would make it any less part of the body. If the whole body, I'm reading in verse 17, were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? He's being rhetorical. He's like, this is ridiculous. And seeing the whole, he said, but as it is in verse 18, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Stop there. Think about that. He chose each person. Question. 
series on the church, study on doctrine, know what you believe. Let's not get up here, our heads up in the clouds. Let's be real honest. Like, what part of the body are you? How are you functioning in the body, the local body of the church? Because we want to talk about the church. There's the capital C church, the universal church. Then there's what? Then there's the small C. There's the what? There's the local church. Can't be part of one and not the other. That, that's foolish. Church is a body. It's interdependent. I mean, what a picture, man. So let's do this. Let's look at the next picture. Go ahead and turn, um, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look with me at verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple? So what's the church? It's a temple. Look at verse 17. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Whoa. So church, it's a temple. I think of the word, let me give you this word, this picture. It's sacred. The church is sacred. The church, according to this and according to what it says, is the spirit of God that resides in the people of God. And so the church is not a building, it's a people. It's a temple. Love that. What's another thing? Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Go ahead and flip forward. We're talking about pictures of the church. What is the church? It's a body, a body that's interdependent. It's a temple that's sacred. Look with me at verse 19. We're going to mine this, and we'll get um, another word, another picture. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Why? Because you were called out. But you are what? You are fellow citizens with the saints. And there it is, members of the household of God. There it is. So the church is what? The church is a household. The church is a family. Well, what's it built on? Well, look at verse 20. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. That's what it says in the end of verse 20. So Jesus' work, what he did on the cross, the resurrection, that's what it's built on. Verse 21, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple. There it is. It's a temple. In the Lord, in him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So the church is a body. The church is a temple. The church is a family. Love this. I'll tell you what. I, I, you know, I, I will never forget the day, um, October 28th of um, 1989. I saw the most beautiful woman walk down the aisle. Beautiful in appearance. Every bride is. But beautiful in the heart. And... The same can be said now as you think about your wife, your bride. The scripture says in Ephesians that the church is a bride. And that's the word is holy and pure. Love that about the church. The verses there, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Let me clean this up for us. The church, let me give you a definition. All believers over all times. That's the church. That's the universal church. Luther and Calvin said this. As theologians, they told us that there's the visible church. That's what I see every Sunday. But the invisible church is the church that God sees, and he can see each individual heart. And so only he truly knows who his are. Now, I can see fruit, right? I can see a changed life. I can see um, evidences of God working, and, you know, I see that, and, I, man, that's it. You know, I can see that, and, but, but I don't know. The church. Next question. Who leads the church? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know who leads the church? Stay in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. 
Look with me at verse 15. Who leads the church? Let's look at verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give you thanks, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of what? Of wisdom and of revelation and knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? And he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Getting closer to who's leading this thing right there. And seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And above every name that is named. You're getting a little hotter right now. Not only in his age, but also in the one to come. Getting real hot. Look at verse 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him a head over all things. Who? Jesus. To the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Who leads the church? Jesus. Why? Because he's the head of the church. That's what it says right here. Other verses that point to that. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23. Imagine for a moment, imagine me in this moment. Imagine this body, no head, just gone. That's pretty sick, isn't it? If, if, if you didn't have a head, you can't see, you can't hear, you can't talk, you can't think. Like, it's a pretty important piece of the human anatomy right here. And without it, what do you have? Come on. Somebody said a corpse, but I'm thinking you got the headless horseman. How many people have seen those movies? And he's, he's, he's riding, right? And I don't know, but that whole thing, I don't like scary movies, man. And that headless horseman thing, that's pretty creepy, isn't it? Isn't it creepy? That's the church without Jesus leading it. Pretty creepy. Pretty downright scary. And that's happening all the all over the place because he's not acknowledged as the head of the church. He's at the top of the organizational chart here. Jesus is the head of the church. Well, how does he lead the church? If he, you know, how does that work? I mean, I can't see him necessarily. I know I see him and other people and all that, but how does he lead? Well, good question. Turn over to Titus chapter one. How does he lead Jesus? He leads through leaders, specific kind of leaders. Look with me at Titus chapter one, verse five. We're going to see that he leads through elders. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained in order. There's more coming up on High Point with Ron Zappia. Today's message is titled The Doctrine of the Church. You can request a copy by phone when you call 844-HP-RADIO. There's more to come, so stay with us. Oswald Chambers once wrote this about his relationship with God. I am determined to be absolutely and entirely for him and for him alone. Chambers was set on living a godly life centered on Jesus and it overflowed into his teaching. So that's why this month High Point Ministries with Ron Zappia wants to get you Chambers' book of daily devotions, which is packed with a spiritual energy boost for each day. Each of the daily readings is filled with concentrated, life-changing truths on how to live a God-centered life that will help you reach a new level in your faith. 
throughout the month of November for a donation of any amount to High Point Ministries with Ron Zappia, we'll send you Oswald Chambers' My Utmost for His Highest, a devotional book filled with biblical principles you can apply daily to your life as you seek the Lord. Call 844-HP-RADIO to receive your copy of Oswald Chambers' My Utmost for His Highest for a donation of any amount, or request this great resource online at highpointministries.com. You're listening to High Point with Ron Zappia, and we're in a series titled Doctrine, Knowing What You Believe. You'll find the audio and video for these messages on our website when you go to highpointministries.com. Now here's Pastor Ron with the conclusion of today's message. So there was a problem in the church. Paul was talking to Titus, and he's like, you got to get this settled, man. You got, you, got, you got some things that have a problem. I like order. I'm a God of order. Let me set you straight. Let, let's get this church going in the right direction. How do you do that? He says what? What's the word that's in verse 5? And do what? To elders. What? Does it say elect? No, it doesn't say elect. Why? Because there's no voting on this program, see? It, it's just like this. It's like appoint some guys. Titus, I want you to figure out who are the people that need to lead this church. And he's saying this, he's saying, appoint some elders to do what? To get things right, to put things in order. As I direct you, what kind of people am I looking for? So glad the Bible answers everything. He says this in verse six, if anyone is above reproach, that's the key characteristic. It bookends the passage. It's mentioned in verse six. It's also mentioned in verse seven. He's like this. It's like above reproach. What does that look like? Husband of one wife. That means what? That he doesn't have two wives. That means that he's not a polygamist. It doesn't mean like someone came up to me yesterday. It doesn't mean that a single man can't be an elder. He's saying above reproach. This isn't a checklist like everything's got to be perfect. He's like the main thing is like above reproach. Above reproach looks like this. He doesn't list everything that above reproach looks like, but he's getting get the concept of what it's about. And he says, he says this, he says, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery and insubordination. It's like he's, he's leading his family is what that's saying. He says, for an overseer is God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent for greedy for gain. It's like he's got to have the spirit residing in him. Not that he never made a mistake, but his life is, is marked by humility and repentance and sincerity before the Lord. He's hospitable. He's a lover of good. He's self-controlled. He's upright. He's holy. He's disciplined. Verse 9, most important thing, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and to rebuke those who contradict it. So what does he need to do? I'll tell you what, he's got to know this book and he's got to be able to rightly divide it. That's what an elder does. An elder leads the church. So thankful for the elders that I serve with. And we're responsible for direction of the church. We're responsible for discipline. That's helping people and coming alongside people and protecting the church. We're responsible for doctrine that we would rightly divide the word of truth. Other leaders in the church, go ahead and write down um, 1 Timothy chapter 3 because that's where the uh, qualifications are listed again for elders, but then they talk about deacons. And deacons are, are what? They're, they're, they, they, they serve. We say it like this. Elders serve by leading. Deacons lead by serving. Acts chapter 6, that's where deacons are talked about, where they serve so that the elders can teach the word and pray. They take care of the needs. We're building our deacon team, kind of laying it together and getting, getting going. We've got some many quality people that serve on that team. We're looking for more. And what are they responsible with? Facilities, finances, Got some great business minds on that team. Benevolence, helping people. That's who leads the church. Jesus does. How does he lead? He works through the people. 
I'll tell you what, we're like what? We're like the glove. He's the hand, and he works through us. That's how the church is led. Hey, Ron, who builds the church? So glad you asked. That's the next question. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know who builds the church? Do you know? Matthew chapter 16, turn there. Somebody said we do, and that's partially right. There's two parts to that answer. But let's turn to Matthew. This is some of the most comforting verses in all of Scripture because when Jody and I uh, took a group of 30 people and began this church praying in a basement in Glen Ellen, these were verses that comforted me. And look with me at Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. This is the first message that I preached on at our church, first passage I taught. And it says this, I tell you, Jesus' words, he said, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I, who's the I referring to? Jesus, Jesus is the one. He says, I will build my church. Who's building it? Jesus. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So nothing's gonna come around it and break it down. Now, I think you guys know this, but when he says, I tell you the truth, on this rock, Peter, I will build my church. Is he talking about building his church on Peter, or is he talking about building his church on what Peter believes? What he believes. He's not going to build it on a man. And what does Peter believe? Well, look at verse 16, because Peter just came to the conclusion. He said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. You're Jesus. You're the Messiah. That's who you are. so much confusion on this text. Don't have time to break it all down, but it's like this. It's not that hard, really, if you just read the context. Jesus isn't saying, I'm going to build my church on a man. He's saying, I'm going to build my church on the truth that this man professes. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That, that's what Jesus is building his church on. In the Greek there, too, it's Petra versus Petros. It's a play on words, so we, we miss it in the English. But he's not building his church on a man. He's building it on the truth that that man proclaims. And so do we have a part? Yeah, look at verse, I'm telling you, did you ever think about this? Look at verse 19, because our person here was right. We got a part too. Jesus is building it, but what is our part? Verse 19, I give you the keys to the kingdom. That's what Jesus is saying. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosened in heaven. So what's he saying? He's saying, I give you the keys. So how about the guy with the keys? What's up with that dude? You ever see the guy with all the keys? What's up with that dude? He's walking around, he's got the keys jingling. What, What is that guy about? Keys are a picture of authority, man. He can get you in, he can get you out, he can get you where you want to go. That guy's got authority. That's what keys are a picture of. And so we as followers of Christ, we've got authority to bind and loose on earth and on heaven. I mean, think about it, man. We can do a lot in what? In the building of the kingdom. We've been given the authority to build the church. Is the church being built here? Yeah, by a lot, by, by you, by the people. I don't like this church. This church, you know, you ought to be having this, and why don't you do this? And pastor, why don't you have this? And why don't you? Dude, you're doing it too, man. This is your work. Amen. Won't, won't we just all get involved, man? Can we all just get along for a minute? And let's rightfully identify instead of, like, like let's be the solution to the problem. That's just pointed out. Boy, what kind of church would that be? A biblical church? Because we have the keys. You're empowered as a member of the church. Last question. What's the purpose of the church? Colossians chapter 1 purpose of the church. Verse 28. Apostle Paul, again, he says, him we proclaim. Who's the him? He's talking about Jesus. Him we proclaim. I proclaim Jesus, and I warn everybody, and I teach everybody with all wisdom that we might what? That we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's the purpose of the church. Maturity in Christ. Not maturity in you and what you know. Maturity in Christ. How much do you know about Jesus? How close do you are him? How relational are you with him? Like, that's maturity. So the so purpose of the church is to make disciples, to grow us up, to be mature in Christ. 
It's my vision for our church, that you would be mature. My heart breaks over the immaturity of some in our church. And that keeps me on my knees for myself and for my family, that we would be more mature, that we would be different this year as opposed to last, that we'd be moving along and moving the ball down the field, so to speak, into the red zone to score, that we would do what? That that, that we would be different, that we would be growing. As an athlete works on a part of his game in the offseason, that we would be working on our game. And we'd be mature. So many pictures. And look at verse 29. Look what he does. He says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy. His energy. Not, not, not his. He's talking about Christ's energy. He's like, I labor and strive, man. I struggle with all energy, powerful, working with me. So what's the church? Church is a bride. Church is a body. The church, I would say it like this, is God's ordained institution for change. That's where God wants to change people is through the church. It ain't happening. Why? Because the church hadn't done his job. Not that, the we, that God hasn't done his. We haven't done our part. It's an entity. It's a, it's a culture. Every church has their own culture. Had a guy come up to me. He was sitting in the second row here, and, and he was very different from me. He started telling his story, and, and he looked different than me, different background, different this, but we were, we were the same in this, that we love Jesus. And he, he began to tell me that, that there's just something. I came here. I've been to some other places. There's a sense of genuineness and realness here. Church has a culture. That's the culture that's here. Church is about relationship. The church is what? The church is about community. Too often churches are what? Churches are passive in regards to um, going after people and helping people. And it's just like, you know, people come to them and they, you know, it's too passive. I want a church that's active and relational, don't you? Isn't that what you want? We get to know each other and we do life with each other. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, I'll tell you what, you got to build relationships. It starts by getting to know people. You're listening to High Point with Pastor Ron Zappia and a message titled The Doctrine of the Church. You can access the entire Doctrine series on our website at highpointministries.com. Ron, I have a feeling that there are some people listening right now. They got a few more questions on their mind as they're thinking about this topic of the church. Maybe you have a few more things you'd like to clear up about this topic of the church. Yeah, I have a question for you, Steve. Okay. First, is there a perfect church? Whoa, I've been looking for it. I've been looking for it, and uh, <laughs> well, let me I haven't found that. it yet. Yeah, well, let me rephrase that. Why isn't there a perfect church? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, if the church is the people, yes. there are no perfect people. Yeah, you're How right. About that? It totally is. And, you know, I was about to say the same thing because there are no perfect people. Now, there's perfect pastors. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Hold on here. I don't know any of them. No, I'm okay. totally kidding. And I certainly am not one of them. There's pastors who think they're perfect, but there that is. is the problem. And honestly, you know, we're joking around a bit, but it it becomes a relational issue. And so, you know, far too often, even in our area where we do ministry and such a privilege, you know, we've got a lot of great churches and, you know, people have a negative uh, experience or they have an expectation that's unrealistic. You know, let's not say it's a false expectation, but it's an expectation that's unrealistic uh, based upon what they've seen or what they need or what they want. It, it tends to be a relational issue. And unfortunately, the church can become a revolving door for people. And, you know, it just breaks my heart. I mean, you know, the funny thing that uh, we talk about as pastors is the seven-year itch. Do you know what that is, Steve? All right, help me out with that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, think about it. I mean, every seven years, 
people, you know, they want to move on. They want to do something different. You know, it's like, you know, if you don't um, scratch their itch, they're going to move to another place. And so it's really, really difficult. So I really want to say this, you know, if you've been a member of a local church for a long time and you're one of those people that have dug in and you've been through the seasons of change because they'll all come, I just want to say praise God for you. Um, You know, if somebody hasn't said thank you and, um, you know, your commitment is just so desired, so needed. You've been such an influence. Let me be the one to say that for um, every pastor that has the opportunity to work with people like you, because that's what's on our heart. You know, but if you're the person that's been hurt by the church, or maybe you've taken a step back from the church, you know, listen, just hear my heart in this. And please let me speak um, slowly, as lovingly as I can to you. You need the church. You don't feel like you do, but you cannot do the Christian life on your own. And that's exactly what the enemy wants us to do is he wants to fool us into pretending that we can do this on our own in our own strength. Those people have hurt me. Listen, we need each other. We need each other to move forward. The church is the place where we can help people see the light of Christ and where we can grow together to accomplish God's purposes on earth. Thanks so much. Great thoughts on that, Ron. And just like we need each other in the church, we need each other here on High Point as well. And while we exist to encourage and elevate your faith, we can't do it without your help. High Point is a listener-supported ministry, and when you give financially, you ensure that we can keep producing these programs for your station. Your gifts are especially needed during this season as we approach the end of the year. And this month, when you give a gift of support to High Point, we're going to send you a powerful resource called My Utmost for His Highest. It's written by Oswald Chambers, and this beloved one-year devotional has been used to impact the lives of believers all around the world, and we know it's going to be a blessing to you too. So call and request your gift of My Utmost for His Highest today. Call 844-HP-RADIO or go to highpointministries.com. If you prefer to send a check, address it to High Point Ministries, P.O. Box 281, Naperville, Illinois, 60566. That's P.O. Box 281, Naperville, Illinois, 60566. I'm Steve Smith, inviting you to join us again Thursday as we continue our message on the importance of doctrine, right here on High Point with Ron Zappian.